Ballistic coefficient, momentum, kinetic energy, drop, drag. What does it all mean, and why do you need to know it as a hunter? This is projectile physics. This is the Beyond Hunter Ed podcast, where the focus is on all the questions you wish were answered in the classroom, and quite a few more. So whether you're an accomplished lifer or a complete newbie, and you're looking to discuss all topics hunting in an entertaining and unfiltered way, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Eric Jaitner. All right, let's get started with ballistic coefficient. Who really needs to know what a ballistic coefficient is? My answer, anyone who wants to shoot. Specifically, anyone who is looking at shots over 200 yards, where drop becomes evident. In ballistics, the ballistic coefficient of a bullet is a measure of its ability to overcome air resistance in flight. A high ballistic coefficient means the object will slow down less. It will have more of its speed left when it reaches the target. Another definition for ballistic coefficient is simply basically a measure of how streamlined a bullet is, that is, how well it cuts through the air. So what we can tell here is ballistic coefficient really just refers to how much of the speed a a bullet, a projectile in flight, will retain in flight. You want that. So if you look at like a round nose bullet, that's going to have a much lower ballistic coefficient than say anything with an E-tip on the front or something like that. At Barnes tip triple shock where you have that point in the front, that's going to have a lot higher ballistic coefficient than say a hollow point. The hollow point might expand well, but I honestly think the E-tip expands just as well because you've still got the hollow point, but you put the tip in the front and that just really helps you maintain that speed and accuracy down range. Now remember, speed is part of the equation for kinetic energy and momentum. In kinetic energy, speed is squared, so you really have a lot of benefit. So if you remember back to the episode we talked about the beginner's weapon set, we brought up the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Elk University, Chapter 2, Lesson 10, where we talk about the minimum kinetic energy required to ethically take different big game animals. They tell us that we need 1,500 foot-pounds for elk and 1,000 foot-pounds for deer. So, we want to maintain that weight or that kinetic energy on impact, not coming out of the muzzle. So, it helps to have a faster bullet. In that case, it'll help to have a faster bullet. What does ballistic coefficient have an impact on? Well, quite frankly, it has a huge impact on accuracy, terminal ballistics, or what happens when you hit the target, and just overall performance of that bullet. It's based on the weight, shape, and sectional density of the bullet. So how they design the bullet really tells you what the ballistic coefficient is going to be. The range that you're going to see ballistic coefficient described in is going to be anywhere from 0.12, which is very low, to 1.0. However, I have seen higher than 1.0, especially if you go to the 50 caliber size. Most hunting bullets in the 30 caliber range are around 0.3 to 0.5. The heavier a bullet gets, 
generally speaking, the longer it gets, it's got a boat tail on it, all those little things add up and create a higher ballistic coefficient. Competition bullets generally have higher ballistic coefficients than hunting bullets. Full metal jackets have much higher ballistic coefficients than, say, a hollow point or a soft point. But you don't want to hunt with a full metal jacket because it's not going to expand. And at the end of the day, you need to have that bullet expand on impact. That's why I think some of those polymer tipped E-tips or tipped triple shocks from Barnes, that's the way to go for a hunting bullet. It gives you the benefits of a hollow point and the benefits of a full metal jacket type jacketed bullet for ballistic coefficients. Now, let's move on to drop and drag. We talked about ballistic coefficient, and the higher the ballistic coefficient, the less drag. Therefore, you lose less speed. Everything falls at the same speed. The acceleration of gravity has been and always will be on the Earth, 32 feet per second per second. So what that means is if I drop a bullet or if I shoot a bullet, it will fall at 32 feet per second per second. That'll be the speed it's going to start dropping. It doesn't matter whether it's front heavy or back heavy, especially when we start talking about arrows. It all drops at the same speed. Now, how you aim the weapon, if you aim it slightly up, well, obviously you're going to rise first before you start dropping. But once gravity takes over, it's going to drop at the same speed. So, what does that tell us? That means... The longer the projectile is in flight, the more perceived drop you're going to see. So when we talked about ballistic coefficient, the less drag that you have on the bullet, the faster it is going to reach its target. When we start talking about it with archery, this is why the more helical, or if you're using feathers instead of veins, they create more drag. That means the same weighted arrow is going to take more time to get to the target, which means what you see on the target will look like more drop. But really what it is is that they're dropping at the same speed. One is just in the air longer and takes longer to hit the target. That's all it is. So it drops further. That means having less drag is generally a good thing. However, when we look at the archery side of the equation, what we're going to notice is that the more drag you have, the better control over the broadhead you're going to have. So the more accuracy downrange. So it's a balancing act. How much drag do you want to get better accuracy, but how much speed do you want? That way you have better terminal performance. That's what it really comes down to. It's all a balancing act. And the same thing's going to happen with your rifle bullets. It's just going to be because they're moving so much faster. You have, at 50 yards, it's not going to make as much of a difference. So now let's go into the big ones, kinetic energy and momentum. We're going to cover this in detail at a later episode. But for right now, we just want to talk about the whole argument. And archery world, you're going to have a big argument over kinetic energy and momentum. You can probably already guess where I fall on the spectrum. But when I look at it, kinetic energy refers to rifle hunting. 
We talked about the Colorado Parks and Wildlife. 1,500 foot-pounds for elk, 1,000 foot-pounds for deer. This is a measure of all of the energy. Okay? Momentum is going to be more of a directional energy. That's going to get into your penetration. And that's more important for the archery hunters. Because I can't come up with a bow on the market that can get even anywhere near a thousand foot pounds of power. We're lucky if we can get a hundred foot pounds out of a bow. And I personally have seen bows with 75 foot pounds get stopped on a rib of a deer that weighs maybe 150 pounds. It happens. If it just catches it wrong, your broadhead, it happens. So foot pounds really don't mean much to me in the archery world. Remember when you calculate momentum and you calculate kinetic energy? In momentum, it's just the weight and the speed and a constant. In kinetic energy, you're going to square the speed. So we overemphasize the speed. But remember, the more drag you have, the faster you slow down. Okay? I don't really want to overemphasize the speed. Because I'm not going to have that speed when it gets there. And honestly, I don't think it makes all that much difference. Um, if you have a 75-foot-pound bow and you're shooting 50 yards, well, that 75-foot-pounds foot on impact is really not 75-foot-pounds. You've slowed down substantially. Now, that being said, if you give me a 500-grain arrow, and you're saying you can only shoot a 500-grain arrow, but I'm going to give you a bow that shoots faster so you have more kinetic energy because you're still shooting a 500-grain arrow. It's just going faster. Well, yeah, that's, that's a better option. Because in that case, I've increased momentum as well. But if you tell me, hey, here's a 600-grain arrow, and by going lower to 400 grains or 350 grains, you can make it go a lot faster, and that will make your kinetic energy go up. Well, right, it'll make your kinetic energy potentially go up. But what it won't do is make your momentum go up. And momentum at the end of the day, especially with archery, that's what's going to penetrate and kill. So let's look at some real-world scenarios, we'll call it. Let's look at a tennis ball, a baseball, and a bowling ball. So a tennis serve. Pro tennis serve, generally speaking, is at 160 miles per hour. Okay? That's pretty fast. It's a light ball. Doesn't weigh a whole lot. But it's going to be coming pretty quick. Well, if you plug that into a kinetic energy and a momentum calculator, 166 mi or 160 miles per hour and the weight of a tennis ball, you get kinetic energy of 116.77 foot-pounds with a momentum of 0.9745 slugs, okay? When I Google searched how many people have died from being hit with a tennis ball, this is what came up. On Thursday, September 15th, 1983, Dick Wertheim died from his head injuries having never regained consciousness. He is believed to be the only person ever killed by a tennis ball at a tennis match. 
technically he didn't die from the direct blow of the tennis ball. However, the blow from the tennis ball caused him to fall backwards where he suffered a head injury. So he didn't even die from the tennis ball. He died because he fell backwards, hit his head, and, and then it was had a head injury. So that's scenario one. Tennis ball, 160 miles per hour, 116 foot-pounds, 0.9745 slugs. All right, let's go on to a baseball. Baseball, 102 miles an hour. All right, that's what we're going to use for the calculation. 102 mile an hour fastball. There are plenty of pitchers out there who can throw 102 miles per hour. All right, when you plug in the weight of a baseball in 102 miles an hour into the calculator, you get 114.023 foot-pounds. Remember, that's two foot-pounds less than a tennis ball serve. However, when it comes to momentum, you get 1.5245 slugs. That is almost one and a half times what the tennis ball is doing. All right, Google how many people have been killed by a baseball. It comes up really quick. Ray Chapman of the Cleveland Indians was hit in the head by Carl Mays in 1920. They weren't throwing 102 miles an hour back in 1920. Died the next morning because the baseball struck him in the head. We haven't had anybody die yet from a tennis serve at 160 miles an hour. But you can only guess that baseball was maybe going 90 back in 1920. And they already killed somebody. Okay? Let's go ahead and now, for sake of argument, I want to see what a 12-pound bowling ball will do. You can roll a 12-pound bowling ball at 15 miles an hour. We'll plug that in. The weight of a bowling ball at 15 miles an hour. And in the calculator, it tells us we get 90.17 foot-pounds. Remember, this is less than the baseball, and this is less than the tennis ball. However, it gives you 8.20 slugs in momentum. Now, I googled how many people have died from a bowling ball, and there really wasn't a direct link, but just think about that. What kind of damage would a bowling ball at 15 miles an hour do? Would you rather get hit by a 160-mile serve from a tennis ball in the chest or would you rather lay there and have somebody whip a bowling ball down the aisle and hit you in the ribs which one would you prefer i guarantee those ribs are broke if you get hit by that bowling ball it's just gonna happen so these are the things you got to think about you've got a tennis serve at 160 miles an hour has the highest kinetic energy and the lowest momentum and when i think about it objectively if I had to pick one of those three to be hit by, I want to be hit by that tennis serve. That's going to do the least damage. The baseball, yeah, that's going to hurt, but I'm probably going to live. The bowling ball, that's going to break ribs. You know, that one I'm going to be lucky to walk away from. So when we go to hunting, that's what we're looking at. I want to hit hard. So I want a heavy projectile moving at a high rate of speed. And mass trumps speed, in my opinion. And that's why. So that about sums it up here. We talked about ballistic coefficient. We talked about why you need to know about it. 
we talked about drop, drag, and we really kind of dove into kinetic energy and momentum. Like I said, we're going to dive into that more in a later episode because there is a ton to talk about on that one. But leaving you this time, I want you to really think about the setups you're using when you start setting up your archery equipment, when you start setting up your shotgun, when you start setting up your rifle. Think about how speed and weight of projectile are interdependent and what you can do to create better downrange performance for you as a hunter and quicker, more ethical kills. So until next time, remember, knowledge is one thing, but wisdom comes from doing. So get out there and try it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond Hunter Ed Podcast. And as always, if you have questions, please email us at questions at beyondhuntered.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.beyondhuntered.com. Dot com.